are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. We are your news now. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason. We come this far by light of day through deserts of loneliness to the sacred place. Well, you know my life and all I've been through. The sin in my heart has kept me from you. But Father, your grace is greater than sin. Your mercy reigns out and heals me again. In my darkest night, I cry for a way if your shining light. And Father, your grace is greater than sin, shines down on me, it heals me again.
For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the word of God endures forever. Let us pray. Father, it is by your grace and your mercy that we are here. We are gathered today, centered around your word, around the person of Jesus Christ. By the Holy Spirit, we pray that you minister to each one of us today with the exact message that you wish to fill in that void in every person's life here. Lord, none of us have it all together, but by your Holy Spirit, we receive more and more of you, Lord, as you transform us into the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for each and every one here. Lord, I pray for each one that is hearing the sound of my voice, Lord, that you touch their being, you restore their health in areas where they need it. Lord, you take out any division in their mind. You bring clarity into their mind. And Lord, reveal your purpose in an even greater capacity in each one. Increase our faith, Lord, as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Just give me one second here. All right. So I started off with the very end of the first chapter of First Timothy, which is where we left off. I did that purposefully because the chapter two really is a continuation. It's one of those spots in the Bible where I wonder why they split up the text where they did. Uh, it seems to me there's a little bit more obvious places where it could have been broken up, but what do I know? <laughs> um, and just before we get into the reading of the word, if you'll hang with me till the end, I'm going to play one more song at the end, and that'll be the sign-off, essentially. I won't say anything past the song, so if you don't like the song, you can tune out. But it is a very special song to me. It's a secular song. And, you know, I didn't get saved until I was, well, I guess, what was I, 27, 28 years old? No, sorry. I got saved the summer I was turning 30. My apologies. And then, um, yeah, I was baptized at 33. But this song started ministering to me from about the time I was 15 years old. It's a secular song. The words are not perfect. But if you listen to them and listen to it as a, as a father or a mother, uh, in this case, is speaking to her child and you just kind of replace it with God. I think it'll really speak to your heart. And uh, although my opinion might be changed now, um, I'll give anyone who really knows me a clue. 
I've always said it was the second best song ever written. And I will not be playing it from the original artist because there's long musical interludes. And I really just wanted to play a simple version. It is a cover version. And just for your knowledge, probably sung by a guy who's a witch. But don't worry, there's no spells or anything like that that are going to affect you. The lyrics are honest and true, and I hope it touches your heart as much as it has touched mine over the years and continues to. So verse 25 of chapter 1 just to repeat, says, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Verse, uh, second chapter. Therefore, and if you know anything about the English language, you'll know why I just read that sentence, because it's a continuation. Therefore, um, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. And coming to him as a living stone, which has been rejected by people, but it is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are built up as spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will not be put to shame. This precious value, then, is for you who believe, but for unbelievers, a stone which the builders rejected, this has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this they were also appointed. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I got to ad lib on verse 11 here. Beloved, yes, you be loved. I urge you as foreigners and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. 
keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God on the day of visitation. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to the governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you silence the ignorance of foolish people. Act as free people, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are harsh. For this finds favor. It is for the sake of conscience towards God, a person endures grief when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if, when you sin you are and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if, when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose, because Christ also suffered, leaving you an example, so that you would follow in his steps. He who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, while being abusively insulted, he did not insult in return. While suffering, he did not threaten, but kept entrusting himself to him whom judges righteously. And he himself brought our sins in his holy body up upon the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Lord, bless that word. Someone here needed to hear some of this stuff. Uh, with all candor, <laughs> There is no way I'm going to finish this chapter because when we get to the section of verses 13 and on, there is a lot there and I'm going to get political in the midst of reading the Bible because I believe the Lord has given me some clarity on it and it will help you because there's much consternation amongst us believers about do we submit to authority? What if the authority is unrighteous? And I think there's just a whole bunch of examples I want to give, and it should provide clarity for you. 
You know, I wanted to, to name this chapter. I just wasn't sure how far I would get, but I probably should have named it uh, because I'm confident I'll get to <laughs> verse four uh, and a little bit beyond that. But I wanted to name this You, the Sacrifice. You, the Sacrifice. You are the Sacrifice in the Temple. This, this goes deep. And remember, Peter was writing this letter obviously, to the churches and uh, to a mainly uh, Hebrew audience. But God wrote this to you. Always remember that. I know I'm a broken record saying that, but when it becomes personalized, you're going to take more from the scriptures and it'll be more advantageous in your life because... Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father are a personal God. For you, your person, he knows everything about you. There is nothing that you can hide from God. And I want to reassure some of you need to hear this. God did not make a mistake with you. If you are not satisfied where you are in life, well, you've made some choices. But God put those choices before you. And he knew which way you would go. And no matter which way you went, to the right, to the left, you know, which of the good decision, the bad decision, all things are turned for his glory all things and his love is new for you every morning today is a fresh start for you and if you'll just allow me a personal moment um on this day uh, every year i Always, you know, it's the end of summer, it's Labor Day weekend when this is being recorded, and it's just a good time for me. I usually, on this day, will will be alone. Uh, you know, my wife is here, but she won't bug me, because I, I like to take this day and really reflect upon my past experiences, my past decisions. Uh, have I grown in Christ you know, and really get into a deep think on things. And it's good for us to take stock of ourselves and just how how are we measuring up? Are we growing? Are we going deeper? Are we craving his word more? It's a beautiful thing. And I will be taking some time, although today I actually have a little bit of fun planned in the in the middle of the afternoon. So uh, I'll be taking a bit of a break from it. Uh, but thankfully, I've had the privilege of being able to go and do some retreats this year. And 
to be alone in the woods and have some serious introspection and to seek God out. Let's start in verse two. <clears throat> Excuse me. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. That's quite a list right there, folks. This is a high calling. It's not easy to follow Christ because every one of these is built into your flesh. So what is malice? Well, this is essentially bad intent. You know, how many times have you or I, even being saved, maybe said something or removed some information not to give person the person you're talking to the full details and uh because you're trying to be a little bit sneaky about something and it could be fairly innocent but you have malice in your heart in doing that the next word is deceit to deceive you know sometimes to leave out that key information <laughs> purposefully by not saying something, you can also deceive. This is another thing we do as believers. We do it less and less, I pray. And hypocrisy. <laughs> you know, we live in a world full of projection right now. And, you know, hypocrisy is essentially projection. It's pointing the finger at someone else for doing the same thing that you're secretly doing. There's that old saying, when you point the finger at someone, there's three fingers pointed back at you. And that is a true secular saying. Envy. Keeping up with the Joneses. It's not fair. I've been a good Christian all my life. It's not fair. It's not fair I'm falling behind. It's not fair. The scripture says lose it. And then it says slander. Slander is accusations. And I just want to spend a moment on this and You know, slander is a very fine line, and I pray I don't cross it because we're also called to expose things. So it's a fine line, and I don't have all the answers, folks, but, you know, in in this thing here, in this podcast, when I expose things, I really don't know the intent of the person's heart. 
So often you'll hear me say things like knowingly or unknowingly. And so it isn't necessarily an attack on a person or a slander, but it is absolutely fair to judge someone's words. Words are important. Words are powerful enough that they spoke all creation into being, and your words cut worse than any sword you may wield. You know, you cut someone with a knife, they're going to heal. But sometimes the words you say to someone, they never recover from. So we can judge people's words, and yes, doctrine matters. You know, I want to do a couple more shows on the NAR because it's such a plague on our society. It's such a twisting of doctrine, and it's absolutely dangerous, and it's leading some God-seeking people to the pit of hell. So I will continue to go after that, but it is not to slander the individual. I pray that they get it together because they're going to stand in front of Jesus and they will be judged. Just like it says later in this chapter, he is righteous to judge. Verse 2. And like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word. You know, oftentimes milk is uh, in in Christian circles referred to as like a seeker-friendly church. You know, they don't give the deep meat. They don't give the meat of the word. But I don't think that's what it's saying here. Babies are dependent on milk, on mother's milk. They're dependent. And I really think it's just that simple here. Peter, via the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is saying to you, be like a newborn baby. Be dependent on the pure Milk of the word. It is the bread of life, folks. You do not live by bread alone, but by the word of God. Are you at that place in your walk? I am right now. I was when I first got saved. There was a decade, (laughs) maybe more, where I was still a Christian. I never lost my faith. I never lost my love of God. I never stopped preaching or evangelizing. But I wasn't reading his word. And I wasn't craving reading his word. And I'm not making this about myself, but I I use myself as an example because most of you have experienced the same thing. You know why I did not seek out and be dependent on the word of God? It's because it brought conviction on my life. 
it told me some of the stuff I was doing was not good. And I loved my flesh much more. It wasn't the devil. You know, flesh is your enemy. The devil's an enemy. Don't get me wrong. If you give him an, if you give him an opening, he's going to take it and he's going to harass you. And you will suffer consequences, as it later says in this chapter, for the sin that you commit. You have to endure it. You did it. Hey, you know, you do the crime, you do the time, folks. But you also sometimes can let the devil in to harass you. But most times, a saved person does not do anything so consequential, especially if you're in the Word of God. If, you're, if you read the Word of God consistently and you depend on it, you're just not going to do these things. And the more you get into the scriptures, and this is what I'm finding right now, is I'm becoming more and more dependent on it as I press in because I'm feeling his presence coming on. And it's not about a sensational thing or anything like this. It's not about an experience, but it is an experience. And it is a supernatural experience because we have a supernatural sovereign God who wants to touch your life. Will you let him? Will you press into him? He will only press into you as much as you press into him. And then maybe he'll even outdo you a little bit. <laughs> that was said tongue in cheek. So that by it, by pressing into the pure milk of the word, you may grow in respect to salvation. How do you grow in respect to salvation? What does that mean? You're already saved, I hope. If not, write me an email. I'll call you personally. So what does it mean in respect to salvation? How would you grow? You grow in your faith, in your knowingness, in your confidence in the Lord. You know, have you ever been to a, a Christian funeral? It should be a celebration, right? Christian's gone home. Hallelujah. Woo! And we mourn, and it's okay to mourn at it because you have experienced that loss. That person is no longer with you until you meet up in eternity. But do you really believe they went home? Or are you left wondering? Are you left wondering, is it real? Is there really a spiritual realm? Is there really a place of heaven? Did they immediately go to Jesus like the Bible says? <clears throat> it's okay to question those things at times in our walk. Of course you know the answer. But faith is the belief in things yet unseen. And that's why I hope, leading by example, I continuously pray for your faith to rise. And I pray for my faith to rise. So that 
by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Now, I don't know exactly why. I probably, you know, one of these times when I should have looked up the Hebrew or the Greek word for tasted, and I didn't. But, you know, when you study the Word of God, it's one thing to read the Word of God, but there's another thing to study it. And when you study it, you chew on the Scriptures. To, it's that's it, it's a form of meditation, not the New Age kind, but to chew on it. Lord, what are you saying to me? What does that mean? And right here, studying for by myself, I'm just going to pause and I'm going to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to chew on this, Lord. What does that mean to taste the kindness of the Lord? What's the Lord saying to you about that? Write it in chat. I'm going to catch up on chat when I play that secular song a little bit later. Oh, one other thing in respect to studying the Word of God and the, the pure milk of the Word. I know that everyone learns in a different way. Um, one thing I have noticed over the years is there are a lot of Christians, and this is just an observation. I could be totally wrong here but particularly people who have come out of Catholicism that really have a struggle in this. And it, and it might not be what you think immediately because once you're saved, you know, you're saved. But there is a religious spirit that comes with Catholicism. And you might want to be just a good Christian and be dedicated, okay, at every morning at 8.30, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to read two chapters, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to, you know, read this other uh, blessing or something like that, and I'm going to read this prescripted prayer. And by the way, the prescripted prayer could be a good prayer. It doesn't have to have been for some Catholic, but there are certain religious elements that need to be broken away from and... Man, you know what? I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ask that uh, Laura, who's in charge of our prayer team, if she hears this and and has the time. I don't know if you're in the uh, in the live, Laura, but if you have the time, maybe you can just make a post on uh, on dealing with the religious spirit in context of studying the word. Uh, I just feel that you're going to have great, much greater insight than I will. And and by the way, if you don't, you don't have to post anything. Um, you might not be prepared for that. It's really unfair that I said this on air, but I'm just speaking my mind. And, and But Laura is very good and very knowledgeable about these things. 
verse 4. And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by people. So we all know that Jesus was rejected. But it is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, living stones. This is a really, really incredible here. This, this section, I want to just tell you that this morning, I just felt I got so much revelation and I started studying this a, a few days ago, but this morning I felt I got so much revelation on this about, and, and what my revelation was about is just, you know, my neighbors, the people I know that I see because we walk our dogs and, you know, I hang out in the front of my house and people walk by and we talk and I've got a very friendly neighborhood that way, but most people are not saved. And I'm noticing a change in people right now. And I'm going to say this ahead of reading the rest of the scripture here, but I'm noticing a change. And I want you to tell me if you notice the change as well. Oh, God bless you, Wendy. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy. Um, the change is people are really starting to stumble now. They know that there's something not adding up in the world, but they don't know what it is. And they certainly don't want Christianity to be the answer because they perceive Christianity as a bunch of rules that they can never come up to, no matter how good of a person they are, they can never meet the standard. And people that I'm saying the general population right now is in turmoil and what the next few verses are going to read out to you is going to perfectly describe it, in my opinion. Let me know what you think in the chat, but listen to this. So you also are living stones. We know Jesus is the stone. He's the cornerstone. And are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. You, you see the, the, the symbol, symbolism here? You're a stone now rejected by the word, by the world, just as Jesus was. But you are being assembled with the other believers to form this house of God. You're being included in the building. It's the building of his kingdom. And you, yes, a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. By now you must know that you are in the holy priesthood. But don't priests have to be men? No. You're a priest. You're a king and a priest. Why are you a king? Because you're the son or daughter of the king. So you don't rule in this world as a king because this isn't your world. 
It says that later in this chapter too. This is not where you are from. This is You are an outsider. You are an outcast in this world. But you are a holy priesthood. And what does holy mean? It means to be set apart. When you got saved, you were pulled out of the kingdom of Satan, which is this world, and you were transferred into God's kingdom. But what are you to do as a holy priesthood? To offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What are spiritual sacrifices? So first of all, let's just take the most obvious common logic and deduction. You don't need to kill animals anymore. You're not to kill people. You're not to kill flesh as a sacrifice to God. That is not acceptable to God. Now we live in a new covenant. Jesus did that for us. You know, when we look at all this stuff about getting the animal sacrifices ready and, you know, they're going to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem and all this stuff like that, they're doing it for the Antichrist because Christ already fulfilled that. Make no mistake. That's what the world is looking to. So what are the spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God? It's when you die to self. When you choose not to do something that your flesh is begging you to do. Maybe even when you just choose not to take food, that's more in the physical, but it takes your spiritual will to do it. If you're doing it for God, if you're doing it for weight loss and all kinds of other things, well, those may be uh, part and parcel of it, but God knows your heart. God knows your intent. So a spiritual sacrifice is something pleasing to God. And one of the... <laughs> Jeez, do I even want to go here? I, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, as, as a podcaster, of course, you want to grow. I always say it's not about numbers, and it's not. But it is about numbers as well, right? There's both sides of that coin. And one thing that... All of the big podcasters do, all the ones who have rose up, is they continuously go on air and they tell you, see, I told you, I told you this was coming. Here's the tape of me saying this three years ago. They do it all the time and they do it for a reason because it works and it builds their following. Oh, this guy's right. Now, I have that silly little thing that I play. Who's right? He's right. But I usually point up. <laughs> He's right. I'm not. But, you know, I think this particular podcast and 
because I'm surrounded with a lot of really great believers. Um, we have been ahead of the curve. We've been ahead of uh, even a couple of years ahead of almost everyone. And if I went back and got those tapes, we could boast and we would grow. It's a spiritual sacrifice for me not to do it because wouldn't who doesn't want to be recognized when they do good? And my flesh certainly does. My flesh desires it. Just like you want to be recognized when you do something really well but it's to resist those temptations. And I can't say I have a perfect record there, folks. Neither do you. Don't throw the first stone, please. But there's all kinds, you know, have you ever been in a situation where someone else gets the credit for what you just, what you did, especially at work? This will happen all the time at work. But no, it was me. I'm the one who came up with that. I did it. See the problem with that? I, I, me, me, I, I. That's not acceptable to the Lord. Let the Lord be your reward. Trust in him again. Deepen your faith. Immerse yourself in his word. I hope I'm encouraging someone today. We have people at all different levels. I, I try to give some milk. I try to give some meat, folks. If some of this is just, you know, 101 for you, I hope it still helps to build your faith and to edify you. Verse 6, for this is contained in the scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will not be put to shame. So obviously Jesus is the cornerstone. Everything rests upon him. And if you believe in him, you will not be put to shame. And it talks about this further. I wish I could do the whole chapter in one sitting, but I just wouldn't be able to do it justice. But hold on to these things and, well, we'll reread the chapter and hopefully it'll refresh you as we get into the later verses. This precious value, verse 7, then is for you who believe, but for unbelievers, and this is where I'm saying, I'm seeing this in the world, a stone which the builders rejected, this became the cornerstone. So no matter how much the world rejected Jesus, everything is built on him, and that is a reality. And he has become a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. When you stumble upon a rock and your face hits it, it does some damage. And people are getting this. It's The damage is being done. People are stumbling upon this stone right now because of the word of God. And no matter how people try to explain things in worldly terms, it will not make sense and it will not be the truth. It might be partly true, but it cannot be the truth in quotations. Verse 8, 
and they can't get their head around it. There's always something missing. It's a void that is never filled and it's offensive to them because people who don't believe in Christ believe they are God. And someone might say to you, no, I'm just agnostic. I think I become worm food. No, you believe you're God because you don't need Jesus. It's, it's one way or the other. For they will stumble because they are disobedient to the word. And to this, they were also appointed. They were appointed that they would stumble. And hopefully they get to that place where they come to know Christ. Christ reaches many, many people through this way. It's usually at the lowest time in our lives that we get saved. Not everybody, but I'd say that's the majority of testimonies that I've heard. You're at your lowest point. You need God. Okay, God, I give up. <laughs> Take over. Hallelujah. Verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, listen to this, for God's own possession. I often refer to stewardship verses. Again, in the New Testament alone, there's 2,085 stewardship verses, and this is one of them. So for God's own possession, if stewardship is so important to God, do you think he leads by example? Will he steward you? Yeah. Will he let you go through hard times? Yeah. That might be part of the way he's stewarding you. Maybe you learn need to learn a hard lesson. That's why you're going through it. As it says later in this chapter, you're called to endure. But you are God's own possession. You are no longer yourselves. Yes, you're a free will actor, but no, you are God's possession. When you took salvation, you signed a deal with the Lord. You handed over the ownership. And that's a good thing because he only wants the best for you. And he'll do the best for you in the long term. He's a long-term thinker, just so you know. And he's a just-in-time God. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So th even through your trials and through everything, Thank him. He is excellent. I'm, Lord, I'm so glad you let me go through that. You know, many, almost all of us are going through some hard times right now. A lot of us. Do you thank God? Jesus, your excellency, thank you for taking me through this as your own possession. Thank you, Lord. And proclaim it out loud. 
I know there was a discussion on the prayer channel um, about saying your prayers out loud and proclaiming his glory out loud. Look, sometimes we do it in our head, of course. But sometimes you want to proclaim it because God will always hear you. God hears your thoughts. But the angels, both good and bad, hear you when you proclaim it. You proclaim it for all the heavens to hear. And that's also for your protection. You're putting them on notice. You were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once, for you once were not a people, but now you are people of God. You had received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know, in our uh, chats and stuff in, in within the community, everyone's at different levels. And if someone says something a little bit off, and most, it, it happens rarely, honestly. We have, we're so, so blessed in this community, but, you know, just love them. You can say, hey, have you considered this scripture? You know, hey, you know. Everyone's at a different pace. Everyone's at a different walk with God. Everyone has different experiences. Everyone has heard different things. Everyone has heard different false doctrines in their life. And some of those things stick and they take some time to work out. Don't judge. Don't judge. There's some people in our community who are just still struggling with some of the NAR philosophy, you know, and, uh, and other philosophies, Catholicism even. You know, different religions. We have we have Mormons who have converted into our community, and they worship a different Jesus. You know, um, it's a big change, and there's a lot of stuff that has to be undone and rebuilt, and that's between that person and the Lord. So you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So extend mercy to your fellow brothers and sisters. I'm just going to end with verse 11 and 12 here. Beloved, I urge you as foreigners and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. So first of all, in faith, be loved. But he says something really interesting. I urge you as foreigners and strangers. What do you mean? I grew up in this town. I'm not a foreigner or a stranger. This is a spiritual book. It gives us instruction for the physical. But you are a foreigner. This world is not your world. This world is not the kingdom of God. It's going to come on to this world. And what a sight that's going to be. What an amazing time that's going to be. But you're actually a stranger. You're displaced. You're wandering through this world in which you do not belong. You do not belong here. Do you want to live here as best as you can? Sure. 
you're a foreigner. Think of being a tourist going through whatever land you are. You want to be as considerate of the local people. You want to be respectful of their traditions, but you're not going to do anything that is against your God. That's it. They might. It's their house. Let them. You can always turn around and walk somewhere else, but you'll be a stranger there too. So abstain from the fleshly lusts. And again, fleshly lusts are, in my opinion, the biggest enemy of a Christian. They wage war against your soul, your emotions, your intellect, your willpower. You know, a fleshly lust, you know, obviously we when you hear lust, you might think of sexual sin or something like that. And that's certainly a fleshly lust. But do you know just gluttony could be that too? Eating too much, stuffing your face. And what happens just with that example? And we've, every one of us has done it. <laughs> well, except for maybe someone who's been a vegematic all their life. I can't relate to you. <laughs> I can't relate to you. But it does wages war against your soul. Again, your your emotion, your intellect. Have you ever eaten so much you just feel like crap? Oh, God, why did I do that? You know? And then you're lethargic. You just want to go have a nap. You want to give up. See how it touches all parts of your soul? Just that. And every one of these fleshly lusts does the same. So do those spiritual sacrifices and uh, maybe even today kill one of those fleshly lusts. One day at a time, folks. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, among your fellow believers, I will add. For that is the thing in which they slander you. And your fellow believers slander you too, except um, we don't do it as Christians, like we don't slander each other. We say, you know what? This person really needs prayer. And let me tell you why. They were stepping out on their... That's called Christian gossip, folks. Gossip is a sin. So we do slander. And slanders as evildoers because each one of us has sin. So if we if we commit sin, we are an evildoer. But our sins are forgiven. And we patiently endure the consequences whenever we sin. Because whenever you sin, there's consequences, folks. It just is. It's God's law. And by the way, not only for believers, but for unbelievers. But they keep getting away with it. No, they don't. There's always consequence to sin. Except sometimes the consequence is eternal. All these deletes of the world, they're going to stand in front of the Lord. He will judge righteously. They may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God on the day of visitation. So they may even slander you for doing something good. 
Why are you helping that homeless person? Aren't don't you know you're just enabling them? You know, you shouldn't give that guy 20 bucks. He's gonna go buy booze. You're hurting him. You ever heard that? Sometimes you are hurting them, by the way. Sometimes you're helping them. Pray about all those things and you will glorify God because God will direct you. If you pray and you just don't work in haste and in, and in your emotion, if you wait just a moment and then trust God is guiding you, even if you didn't hear, I want you to only give him $4. You know, you might not hear that, folks. But God will guide you. Trust him. Trust his voice. <clears throat> we'll stop there for today. Folks, I'm going to play that song. <clears throat> I hope it'll bless you. I pray it will. Um, I certainly love this song in particular. Let me just line it up here. Um, as I said, it's a secular song. The words are not perfect, but the words are good. The words will be on screen in case you have a hard time hearing it. And uh, this really ministered to me, as I say, you know, from about the time I was 15. And uh, the original uh, writer of the song was a band named Leonard Skinnerd. One day I want to do a show on them, and I think you'll be really surprised at what I've come up with. Uh, on them. It's not all bad, folks. It's not all bad. Uh, and before I go, just remember, this is a listener-supported show. Um, I lost a couple people this week, as it happens all the time. Their credit cards expire and stuff like that. Please know if you support me on Patreon, it's billed through the speaker's company. Um, I do it through a corporation, so I give less of it away to the government, folks. Uh, that's simple. So it's done under the speaker's company, which is my company, um, but I'm also really thankful I had a couple people uh, be added on to supporting me this week. So if uh, if you don't, you want to prayerfully consider it, just whatever God says. I appreciate you. Um, I'll just say this in the meantime. Remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community. And you know how you're going to do that? By pressing into his word. When you press into his word and you actively seek it as part of your life, you can't help it. It just it just happens. Oh, hold on. Before I do this, I want to change my screens around. I never thought about this till this second. I apologize. Just give me a moment because I want to be able to see the chat uh, while the song is playing. So let me move this over here. You have to have multiple screens to pull off these broadcasts. And it gets confusing at times. There we go. All right. Share the screen. And as I said, this is a, is a cover version. But I really believe you'll be blessed by this song. And uh, thank you for being here, everyone. May God bless you, and we'll see you on Tuesday. I have Clay Clark, <laughs> and I'm going to put in some comments. I might even do a chat um, 
on Telegram, but just know I'm not going to come out and slander him. I'm going to be gracious, but I think I'm also going to get the job done. I believe the Lord's given me some tactfulness to handle that interview. Blessings, everyone. Take care. Well, Mama told me when I was young, said, sit beside me, my only son, and listen closely to what I say. And if you do this, it'll help you some sunny day. I will. Oh, take your time. Don't live too fast. Troubles will come and they will pass. You'll find a warm arm and you'll find love. And don't forget that there is a someone up above. And be a simple. Can, if you can get your lust from the rich man's gold, all that you need now. Is in your soul, and you can do this, oh baby, if you try. All that I want from you, my son, is to be satisfied and be a simple kind of man. Be
don't you worry you'll find yourself follow your heart and nothing else and you can do this oh baby if you try all that I want from you my son is to be Radio. Right on radio.